Some of you already know that I like to complexify things in my sermons. The reason, from my standpoint, is that popular Christianity often likes to oversimplify. And I think many preachers feel pressure to oversimplify. People in the pews are coming in from an often confusing and ethically ambiguous world and walking into a religious container, a sanctuary, a box where they want clear answers so they, that they can take to the bank uh, to tie up their questions and doubts and put them away in a safe. So Christian preachers have kind of a reputation for being sloganeers, for churning out cliches and quotable quotes, for making things binary, either or, this or that, right or wrong, good or evil. I prefer to complexify, to find the nuance, to uncover hidden truth that's lurking in the shadows. And I think that ends up being more authentic and true. But then, I have to admit, some things really are simpler than they look. Sometimes when a biblical concept doesn't quite work for us, we add layer upon layer of complex and multiple meanings, bending it to make it work for us, and we end up making it nearly unintelligible. Sometimes we need to just cut to the core and find that singular nugget that was there all along. And I think that's what we've got in today's text from Matthew 28, the Great Commission. The church throughout history has way overworked this text. We used it to justify all kinds of different philosophies for Christian global mission or have used it to argue against those same philosophies. We've taken these concise and poignant words of Jesus and used them to justify missionary programs that rode on the coattails of white Western colonialism. And ages ago, Christian crusaders even used Jesus' command to baptize as an excuse to slaughter those who refused to be baptized. So today, I will decomplexify. I will simplify. <clears throat> These parting words of Jesus in Matthew are, in fact, simple and beautiful and shimmer with truth. And for Matthew's community, that group of beleaguered Christians in 70 AD Antioch, as we've been talking about, these words were both comforting and affirming. They assured those oppressed and traumatized disciples who were being told daily that their own human worth was in doubt, that as a matter of fact, their lives had purpose and value, and that God had made them indispensable to God's own mission. 
And God was counting on them to be agents of shalom to all nations. Now Matthew 28 is no excuse for Christian triumphalism and domination. Not by a long shot. This is God's invitation to become partners in God's good purposes on the earth. Let me start with the grammar of the text. There are six verbs in these two verses, 19 and 20, but there's only one imperative, one, a single command. Our translations, unfortunately, don't make that clear. We see three or four or more, go, make disciples, baptize, teach, obey, but in the original Greek, only one is a direct command, an imperative. Disciple. You, disciple. Now, it might sound awkward, but it would be accurate to translate it. Having been on the go already, disciple all people as you go along, baptizing and teaching them to imitate me as the opportunity presents itself. Going, baptizing, teaching, obeying, all are important. They're all part of the package, but the weight of the Great Commission lands squarely on one word, disciple. If you want to cut to the core of this commission, we have to know what it means to form a disciple. To disciple is to grow an apprentice, to form a follower, to mentor a mentee in the faith. This great commission is not, first and foremost, a command to organize mission projects nor a command to baptize as many souls as you can, nor to establish and grow the Christian church, nor even to convert people to a new religion. No, it's a command to form imitators of Jesus. That's why Jesus prefaced his command with words about authority. And we so often take those words the wrong way. Jesus did not say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I'm handing it over to you. Now you have all authority in heaven and earth to go and do what you need to do to establish your religion and grow your institutions. So much harm has been done on the false assumption that Jesus gives us a blank check of authority that we can write out as we see fit to do whatever we need to do to rack up those numbers. No, Jesus said, I have this cosmic authority from God, so I have the right to ask and expect you to imitate me. To teach what I taught. To live as I lived. 
It's like Jesus is telling his disciples, it's not an ego trip for you or for me. It's the way God set things up. God loves this world and wants it to be whole. God has a healing mission, a shalom project, and God sent me here to set that into motion and now has authorized me to have you carry the work forward, to keep on doing exactly what you've seen me doing. To his small cadre of followers who remained faithful throughout the great trial, Jesus says, I've taught you what life under the reign of God looks like. I've set an example for you so you can go from here and imitate me, be my mirror, my reflection and bring along others as next-generation followers and imitators. Keep the movement going to all the nations, all the peoples, everywhere. That's the shining gold nugget of the Great Commission. Look and act like Jesus everywhere and to everyone. And as you go, help others look and act like Jesus too. Disciple people, mentor people, form people into the way of Jesus. And some of those other things that we read into it might well happen along the way. Baptisms happen, organized mission programs happen, growth of churches and institutions can happen, but those are potential results. They are not the motivating factors. They are not the shining center of this commission. The sole rationale, the sole expectation of Jesus for his disciples, the shining center of the Great Commission is, in Jesus' words, do what you saw me doing. And bring people around you who will also learn how to do what you saw me doing. Then all of you together will keep learning. You will keep being my lifelong apprentices, my forever friends, and my disciples. This great commission is for every one of us who claim to be a disciple of Jesus, who claim to follow Jesus. If we are not actively learning to look and act like Jesus, if we are not winsomely through our words and our deeds inviting others to, to learn to look and act like Jesus, if we are not pouring ourselves into a community of people that seek to look and act like Jesus, then we need to go back to the core of these parting words of Jesus and open ourselves to the Spirit's work in a new way. Human beings are born, but disciples are grown.
And growth takes effort, intentionality, commitment to a purpose, joining to a community of disciples, and intentional practice. These words from Matthew 28 were written for Matthew's community, but they are also for every disciple who has ever read Matthew's witness to the gospel of Jesus. And now, friends, we have read this gospel from beginning to end. May God help us live it more fully. Join me in the words of confession found in your bulletin and on the screen. God who loves all the world with an everlasting love, we confess we have not always heard or heeded your invitation to follow you into the world and continue your saving and healing mission. Forgive us. Jesus says, I forgive you, and I love you without condition. My invitation remains. Follow me into the world, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thanks be to God.